In the Now, Episode 6. Today, we're talking about legitimacy and trust in e-commerce. From the history of e-commerce to what we do at Steel Now to gain trust, our producer Mike joins us for the show. Stick around. This show is brought to you by Steel Now. Steel Now takes the pain out of buying metal, whether you've been buying for 20 years or you are new to metal purchasing. It's a difficult process no matter what your expertise, and Steel Now works with our network of over 60 suppliers to get you a fair price and a lead time that fits your project. So visit SteelNow.com today. In the now, I am your host, Tony, joined always by my co-host, Jonathan, Mikey C. in the background, although we might bring Mikey C. into this conversation a little bit because today we're talking about legitimacy and trust, especially relating to the e-commerce, because this is a problem that's that's not new. You know, this existed at the beginning of e-commerce. You know, how do you trust that you're putting your credit card number in a website? How do I trust that I'm actually going to get a product from this? And then who is this company I'm giving my credit card to, et cetera. And this is incredibly important. You know, this is, it's really interesting to hear from some of the stories of when the internet was first starting to sell things when you first, your first e-commerce websites, uh, like stuff like eBay or CD now, even Amazon back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then what you see today, and you still have the exact same problem. The same thing is there. You, you've got to gauge every website you go to is like, is this a legitimate website? I mean, so many so many Facebook ads go to some website that's that's a scam. You pay $200 and you get absolutely nothing. I mean, this is this is very common. But uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a fun conversation to have. And and we're going to we're going to go kick it off here. You know, I uh, you know, I'm I'm 36 and one of my first online orders, I think was 2002, 2003. And I remember buying a CD on a website called cdnow.com and it was $10 where the local record store was $20. And I was like, there's no way they're going to send this to me. But sure enough, like two weeks later, here's the CD. And it's like, wow, that's awesome. I saved so much money. What about you, Jonathan? Do you remember your first e-commerce transaction? Actually, oddly enough, even though I'm the youngest in the group, we can verify this with my wife. I used to hate buying online. And I think that goes back to about <laughs> maybe five years ago. Really? Maybe five years ago is when I was like, Mr. Okay, I'll do online. For the longest time, I was that guy that would pay an extra 10 to 20 bucks for a product if I had it in hand. And I felt like it would work because I was just like, you know, hey, you know, we don't we didn't have even five years ago the whole prime thing i mean it was there but it wasn't like two days it wasn't you know we now we get instant tracking when you buy something um so i was always like man i'm not you know i'm very impatient and i'm also very weary of a person worry wart i guess you could call and i just didn't trust it and i think it hit a point to where certain platforms like amazon or other websites were doing so many deals to push you to go online and um, I remember I just started doing that and I just started waiting for them. And I kind of got used to it because it started, I guess the point I'm trying to make is after so long, after I got so many packages, my trust kind of gained with that process because well, I felt like, all right, 
I feel like there's a, there's almost a, a slight addiction that happens the first time mm-hmm. you order something online and receive it in the mail is like that, that, Ooh, there's a box and it's for me. And it has this thing I ordered and it yep. that starts an addiction for a little bit where you start ordering a ton of things online. And then it's like, all right, I'm draining my bank account. This is way too easy to just buy things I want. What about you, Mike? What was your first purchase online? Do you remember? So as you guys are talking, I'm thinking back. So if we're, if we're dating ourselves, I am 43. It makes me probably the elder of the group here. So my first encounters with e-commerce are totally eBay back around 98, 99. I thought it was so cool that you'd be able to go on and, and find something you couldn't find around you, right? And you're kind of bidding with other folks at the time, right? You had to put in a bid and then you'd check back two days later. Oh, someone's topped me. Now I got to go back and do it again. It was kind of like almost kind of like a like a gamble, right? And then when you won it, then you had to cross your fingers that this guy was legit and you'd get it. And you know, when you'd get it, I'd get it two weeks later. I'd almost kind of forget what I bought (laughs) in a way you'd kind of get on there and you're, you know, like a shirt or like, uh, I remember buying tickets to a football game in, uh, I'm in Chicago. So it was a, it was a bears ticket. Somebody was selling them and, and I got worried it was getting close to the date and I wasn't getting those tickets. And then, uh, and then suddenly they arrived but it was kind of hold the the whole verified seller because, you know, you're talking about like CD now, and those are legit companies. eBay was like just a bunch of people and you had to instill trust that, you know, some guy that you're trying to buy something from in Delaware is legit. They had that whole person rating system. They still have this where a seller would be rated by the transaction. And it was very, very beneficial to have a good rating on there and to do your job well, because then you'd have a high rating and people would trust you a whole lot more. You had instant trust. But I remember selling a few things on eBay and, you know, the first few things, it was very difficult. You really had to undercut pretty much everybody by a high margin on something because nobody wanted to buy from somebody that had no rating. But once you had a few comments that said, A plus shipper, great communication or whatever, all of a sudden people are buying no problem and you don't have to undercut as much. So even though people go on there all the time, even now, and will sell something for you know $2 less than everybody else is selling it for, if their rating isn't good, a lot of people are willing to spend that extra $2 just because it's somebody that they that has a track record of success in that regard. And the same thing went for buyers. Buyers had ratings as well. Like, did you pay for the thing that you bought within a timely manner? I mean, that was important. And this is where PayPal became a big deal because PayPal then all of a sudden started having, you know, a fraud uh, policy where if you got scammed on PayPal, they would refund the money and they wouldn't let the person that was supposed to receive the money actually receive it. And so that turned into a thing where you couldn't get your money if you tried scamming people for the most part. Then they got a little more tricky, but I think uh, the early internet was pretty interesting as far as finding out who to trust because there was always a new e-commerce company popping up to try and fit some niche. You never knew if they were actually going to send you what you wanted. And I'm I'm thinking back, like I'm talking like 97, 98. Do you remember how these websites used to look? They were very dark and brooding almost. You know, you have these giant unpixelated photos. It's like you're walking in like a dark shop or something. And maybe I was naive back then, but I, I, I'm trying to remember, like, I, I didn't, I didn't give much pause to, to buying things online and I probably could have lost a lot of money, but you know, luckily nothing of that happened. Well, I certainly fell for a few things. I remember on eBay once there was a, it was, they were actually selling a list of distributors in China to buy a TV for inexpensive. But what it looked like based off the picture and the title and like the first description was that you were buying 
one of these TVs for $10. And I remember buying that and being, and then realizing like two minutes later, oh, I should have read this all the way through and that's $10 gone. It wasn't necessarily a scam, but it was, they got a little trickier. They got a little better at hiding junk. But you had a nice guy um, yeah. for buying TV TVs though, right? So yeah, you had no, that going I had for you. list of all these places that I could never really call because it was long distance numbers because we didn't have just unlimited everything on the internet back then. There was no, you still had minutes on your cell phone and those were only for domestic calls. Yeah, I'm curious for back then for you both. I mean, would you say it's different from now? Like right now, you'd probably be okay buying a TV online, right? Um, or buying like a big purchase, I don't know, a nice expensive vacuum or anything like that. Oh, yeah. But would you probably say back early or late 90s, early 2000s, you would probably just cap your buying process off to like maybe 50 to 100 bucks so you didn't have to worry about the risk rather than getting into the thousands or several hundreds? In 2003, on eBay, this was right after the the second Lord of the Rings movie was in movie theaters. And this was before it came out on DVD and VHS. I remember there was a guy that listed an original Xbox, a surround sound system, and the second Lord of the Rings movie on DVD on an eBay listing. And it was like 300 bucks. And I bought it and did not actually get that DVD. It just did not get included in the package. And then it turned into, well, do I complain about this or is this acceptable? Because really, it was for the Xbox and the surround sound thing. It wasn't really for the movie. The movie was just the reason I picked that person over somebody else. So I ended up just not leaving a review and accepting it and moving on. But yeah, I was totally willing to spend several hundred dollars on the Internet when I did not have a lot of money back then. I was 18. Yeah, you went you went full send. You were not worried, which is which is interesting. I mean, because, you know, I think things are a lot more detailed now. Like I would buy things and maybe the pictures would be a little off or, you know, you wouldn't get a certain angle and you're like, oh man, there's a little ding here, but I guess I'll deal with it. But I feel like now it's so much more detailed. You don't really worry about that stuff. We buy pretty much everything online now, vacuum cleaners, TVs, everything. I remember my first experience with knowing that you can buy something big online back to eBay. My buddy bought a used car on eBay and I thought that was insane. Right. Yeah. You know, here I'm buying like little things and thinking I'm cool. And Hey, I got this cool. You know what? I just bid. And my buddy's like, Hey, I just bid on this car. I think it was a cutlass. Right. And so we drove, we drove 50 miles South to go pick up this car. And I was like, you know, I'm waiting for, you know, and they get scammed or ambushed or something, but there it was, you know, and he got a car on eBay. And I, I thought that was strange, you know, because how do you know it drives right? How do you know this? How do you know that? But like, you know, that, that was a huge risk. And that was the first time I think I realized that, Hey, the internet, you can buy, you can buy legit big ticket items. And for so much less, I mean, the internet really cut out the uh, middleman, you know, the, the showroom floor for things like that, which just saves a whole lot of money. I mean, when you think about a showroom for some of the big ticket items, that's a lot of money in rent. You have to have employees there to, to watch, you know, you only have business hours from this hour to this hour, and then you have to be closed. You, know, you have to constantly be shipping in new inventory that may not sell. I mean, that's a lot of overhead that the internet kind of took away from a lot of those big ticket items. And that's what made it so amazing, you know, but this is also, this was kind of a reason not to trust certain websites because it's like, there's no, you know, the first one that I did CD now, there's no way that you can just sell a CD for half as much as the record store. That makes no sense. This is totally going to be a scam, but it's only 10 bucks. Let's try it. And sure enough, here's the CD, but they didn't have to have a showroom. They just threw that thing in an envelope and sent it out. 
But now people know that people recognize that fact. And that's less of a trust issue. We expect things online to be the cheapest option because you're not going through a retailer. Yeah. I was going to say, personally, I think that the online process has gained so much trust that at times, if you know that your local retail store has it, people will not do that because they just rather go online. Either if it's like, oh, I'd rather just sit at my house and wait for it. Or for personally, for me, I had an experience where I had to go to, I went to a retail store and I needed a certain amount of things on a project I wanted to do. And I wasn't too keen on getting it done that day, but I, I was like, you know what? Let's just make a trip. We're going to be out anyway. Long story short, I had to walk through like 20 aisles. Um, a lot of the employees weren't really available. And when they were available, they didn't know where anything was. And the prices were a little higher. So then, of course, I went online, found everything I needed. And I waited two days and I just left the store because I felt a bit frustrated that I had to look for someone and also walk throughout this massive store and waste an hour and a half out of my day. But it's so crazy that the Internet has built so much trust as far as e-commerce that I'm willing to leave that store now, go home and just wait for it to come in the mail because I trust that they're going to send me the right product at the time they said and at the price that they gave me, which is most likely cheaper. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. But now I think in modern times, we run into a different issue with trust. And this is, it's no longer a Wild West frontier here, right? We have major established e-commerce brands. eBay's still there. Amazon is probably, the, definitely the biggest, right? By a long shot. And then there's other stores, you know, Teespring, is like every band's merch store at this point, uh, things like that. These are, you have only a group that are well-trusted because everybody's heard of them or knows somebody that's heard of them or knows somebody that's used them or uses them themselves often. And then it turns into, you get into a different site that's not in the top 10, let's say. And now you're like, well, can I buy that on one of the top 10? Because I trust them more than this new one. And that turns into its own issue of trust. How do you make sure that people still trust new websites. And we've definitely run into this on Steel Now. The first six months I worked for Steel Now, we had off-the-shelf e-commerce websites. You know, we had Shopify, Magento, and WooCommerce, these three different in the first six months. Our website changed a lot back then. We were trying and experimenting lots of different things. And I don't think we got a single web order on any of those platforms because I think they just look too cookie cutter and people don't trust cookie cutter. I this is my opinion. I don't know. What do you, do you guys think that might be the case? I mean, do you trust a cookie cutter looking website? It makes me think about, okay, you're on Instagram or Facebook and you get like these little ads for, you know, buy this, you know, they obviously know a lot about me. You know, I'm married, I have kids, right? So Mother's Day's coming up and get all these ads sent to me, you know, buy this, this necklace at this website, right? It's kind of someone's just startup site or or personal hobby, you go to the site yet, yeah, if it looks very cookie cutter, I'm I'm going to see if that product is on Amazon. I agree. If you're questioning the website at that point, you start searching outward and see if there's a website that you do trust. And then that's probably where you're going. Yeah. I've been advertised on social media where you go to a website and then you can actually go Google the URL, just go to Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine and search that URL and trust and you'll find people have already called out. This is a scam. They don't send you the product. This is a scam. They don't send you the product or this website's wonderful. They do a great job, but most people don't go that step. They'll just go look on a trusted website and buy it from the trusted website if it's there or say, well, I guess I'm just not going to get that. So building legitimacy, I think, I think you have to go beyond the cookie cutter and you have to, you have to look legitimate. Having a phone number to call is always a good one. 
having an email that people actually respond to is always a good one. And then joining different groups, you know, Steel Now is a member of the Houston Chamber of Commerce. I think that brings legitimacy. But every time we've redesigned the website, we all of a sudden can start getting a regular amount of web orders that's increased from the previous iteration. So it certainly has something to do with the design of the website looking trustworthy. And I don't know what that actually is. There's some magic in there that that's kind of discovered as it goes on. But I think also a big factor of it is time. How long have you been around? If you have a copyright that is five minutes ago, you're probably not trustworthy. But if your copyright goes back a couple of years, you've been around for some time and there's no news articles that say you filed for bankruptcy and or are a scam, then you're probably good. Probably good to go. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think it's... Um... It's about the amount of time. And then I think also there's just the communication or the contact when they first make with the company. You know, when in my experience, when someone calls Steel now, they may be interested or, or confused at what we do. And I think that first contact is a big part also, just really explaining what we do, how we work and how we can help them. And that way they don't have any sense of confusion because the second a customer feels like, oh, well, I don't know, that sounds a little odd. They're probably going to back out. Um, so the website's a huge help. And then just the company as a whole with the first contact sales guys just really being like, hey, you know, we're here. Everything you see is right. Um, we're going to go even further than what you see and we'll take care of you. Just building that trust like we've been talking about because it takes more than just e-commerce, right? Um, that's the point of this podcast is building the trust is it goes into the website. It goes into the company, into the interactions, the first contacts, all of it. Yeah, I think that's true. So last question. This is kind of a fun one. Is there anything that loses the trust after it's already been gained? For instance, is there something that Amazon could do where you'd go, I'm never ordering from Amazon again? I got to say, and this is, this is strange. I got really irritated probably last, last summer when Prime was taking longer than the one or two days, right? And that's how spoiled I think we've gotten right. It's like, you know, uh, forget this Amazon. Well, no, I'm not going to forget Amazon. because It's taken three days rather than two, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think they've, they've moved the goal. They, they've moved it so far that like now, if they're not coming to me in a day or two, if I can't get something on prime, I don't even consider it. That's how spoiled I've gotten as a, as an e-commerce consumer. Yeah. I think that offering a service like that was pretty unique of them with the time. It seems strange to pay this amount every year just to get two day shipping, but man, did that become addictive and, and really set up, set the bar really high. Cause I'm with you on that. If I can't get it within a couple of days, that's yeah, I mean, not acceptable anymore. <laughs> they've even stepped the bar up even higher. I mean, because here in Dallas, we have a location in Capel that's, you know, within a 30 minute drive of anywhere in the Metroplex. And I, I, I feel like a majority of the things you can look for now are like next day, meaning they, they have an option where it's with a prime membership. It's like 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. And I mean, the yeah. guy shows up on my ring doorbell like 5 a.m. And it, it's crazy how early they get up there. But They've stepped the bar up, but I also, to answer your question, Tony, I think that a company with like Amazon that's built such a reputation, I mean, they would have to completely like bomb for me to just not use them anymore is how much trust we've kind of built in them. Um, And that just shows how much that means to a person, right? I mean, they'd have to probably allow my information to be taken for me to never buy from them again. Yeah. And that's a lot, right? 
I, I agree with you there. And um, I, when I lived in Dallas, I was pretty amazed at the next day stuff. That I, I remember ordering something at 10 o'clock at night and the next morning at 8 a.m. It was on my doorstep. That was insane. You like wake yeah. up to your morning coffee and you have what you needed to start yeah. your weekend. But I will say, I mean, it is it's an interesting thing that that once you've trusted something enough like Amazon or, or a big e-commerce platform like that, it really is hard to lose that trust. But I'm sure there's a point Right. If your orders were coming two weeks later instead of two days later and half the time it was wrong, I don't know how many times it would take for you to decide, well, never again, never going there again. But you would make that decision, I'm sure. So it is very important for trust. I am sure to once you've set a bar to keep that bar or raise that bar, do not lower it. Do you think businesses hold the same kind of standards, right? So we're all consumers at the end of the day, right? And we have these expectations on an an Amazon. Do you think buying from a business perspective, they kind of hold e-commerce sites to that same standard now because they're so used to what they get from their consumer side? How do you guys feel like a traditional industry like steel has now put expectations on e-commerce or do you think that's still so fresh with a lot of these buyers? It's still very, very fresh. I don't think there's a clear trust anywhere there because I think that in a lot of ways, traditional industries like steel are just getting started. And so we have a lot of the initial trust issues that the the internet had with the first e-commerce websites as well, where it's just like, how do I know metal's going to get, it's a very complex thing, having a heavy piece of metal shift from point A to point B. How do I know it's going to be there when I need it? I'm sure plenty of them also have Amazon Prime subscriptions and they're used to this kind of thing. But it is a little different when you're talking about freight shipping, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's depending on the industry and in the metal industry. I mean, we've definitely gotten to the point to where I feel like customers are going on websites and they're and they're poking around on their phones and they're trying out what they feel comfortable with. But at the end of it all, it either usually ends with some kind of phone call or some some kind of interaction, which means they're not fully there yet for just complete e-commerce um, because it's still rather new. But, and, and it goes back to also what Tony was saying, for instance, it is a little more complex because every time we get an online order, the first thing I usually get is, well, how much shipping is this? And when is the lead time? And, and what am I gonna hear from someone? So that just shows right there that they're not fully trusted into the metal e-commerce yet, but that's what we're here to do and what we're hoping to, accomplish is to make those customers just go on steel now and boom, you buy and you move on. It makes your day easier and you get that time back. You know, back to your earlier point about later, what do you, what do you look at on a website? You know, just from kind of a marketing perspective, you look at, I mean, there, there's things, right? Right. The legitimacy of the, of the URL and the domain name. And like you said, Tony, how long we've been around, but I, I think just what else is on your site besides buy this product? I mean, is it, is it a lot like some of the content that's on your site? You know, are you, are you providing them more than just the transaction? Are you providing them with some trustworthy advice beyond just the, Hey, give me your money. You can trust me because here's what I'm saying. Yeah, there are certainly many e-commerce websites, especially ones linked on your social media that are literally to a product, a website that has one product on the website and you buy that product and that is the whole website. And that's that should be a red flag for sure. The more content you have on a website, the more trustworthy you are for sure. Well, cool. I think that about wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening and you guys have a great day. 